Greetings, and welcome to the Tao in the Force podcast. Today we are talking about the Clone Wars novel by uh, Karen Travis. I'd be focusing on the things that are in the novel that are kind of like deleted scenes or extended scenes that aren't in the film but help (coughs) expand upon some of the ideas of that film which were originally meant to be uh, individual episodes for the Clone Wars then switched into a full film. So there was some navigating of the plots into making one coherent story for the film. Now, in the beginning of the novel, we are with Jabba as he is with his son, Rota, and he's much like in the Lion King in the beginning when Mufasa and Simba are looking upon their kingdom and Mufasa's telling Simba of all that they rule and giving him lessons knowing that someday all of it will be passed on. It is similar here with Jabba explaining to Rota all that the huts uh, have and what he will one day inherit and he also discusses how the huts are mistrustful of humans they fear they are arrogant towards alien species as in particular the the, the huts and they're a bit like oil and water the huts in humans they don't really mix well they tolerate each other and use each other as in the Republic needs the hot space lanes but it is not out of uh, friendship that they are reaching out in the huts make alliances with humans in order to 
gain more power and sustain the power they already have as a viceroy comes to visit with Jabba to make a secret deal with him for this viceroy is probably seeking to gain more fortune so the, the hut have a power like the mob in gangsters of our world we don't see it as front as it used to be with gangsters like Al Capone and but you go to places like Sicily and other places where there is still large mafia control they integrate whether it be like Pablo Escobar and in the Mexican drug lords they do legitimate business but also use the local people to help them but they give gifts like the in Mexico in Colombia they would give away food and build schools and uh, do positive things in poor neighborhoods so that they are heroes to them to a degree but they also owe a debt to them. And I'm sure Jabba and the Huts are similarly inclined. They are ruthless, but balance that out with uh, debts and favors. They do networking in a sense to gain their power so that they reach all levels of power like most mafias do where they have the ears of the politicians and businessmen but they also have the grassroots people so it becomes very hard to uproot them. And this is part of what Rota will inherit when Jabba one day uh, succumbs, even though huts live long lives. Now it is during this visit 
by this Prime Minister, or pardon the Viceroy, that Rota is kidnapped, that we see in the film. Now in the film, we come to learn eventually that it is Zero who is helping Dooku for even Palpatine does not seem to directly want to take on the Hots even after uh, he has become the Emperor we see even into Return of the Jedi Jabba still has great power so you can deduce that Palpatine never uh, took on the Hutt clans and sought to destroy them and take their power from them. So it shows how powerful and difficult it probably would be to destroy the hut clans so it makes sense that Dooku's uh, in Palpatine's plan is to enlist Zero using Zero's own greed and lust for power much like in the Mafia and drug lords internal power struggles happen and uh, it often can be brothers turning against brothers and sons against fathers and so on and so forth so it is not surprising that Zero uh, is a prime target for Dooku. And so we get extended scenes here in the novel showing Dooku's meetings with Zero and some of the motivations for both sides. Now, we also, because in the novel form, you can get inside the mind of a character. We, after Rota has been kidnapped and Jabba seeks the Republic's help, we see the Jedi and Palpatine meeting, and we get to get a glimpse inside the mind of Palpatine. Now granted this novel is not considered canon, but we see Palpatine thriving as he sits among the Jedi and he thinks to himself, 
gleefully how he can sit here amongst his enemies and they have no clue that he is a Sith Lord and the key to all that is happening in this war and they all could just turn to him and kill him or you arrest him and it would all be over but they are completely unaware and he takes great pride in that he's able to fool even Yoda now we get uh, a more fleshed out um, scenes in the novel of Jabba doing his own uh, research and detective work to try and find his son for in the film we wouldn't have time to go back and forth between what the main characters are doing and so on and so forth but it stands to reason that Jabba being powerful and would try to get Rota back himself so we see him meeting and learning some intel on uh, from a robot that um, is informing Jabba that uh, Rota could be becoming sick and that um, Tith which is another hot uh, palace that was converted to be hot, uh, hot palace that we were introduced more to uh, in the novel Master and Apprentice and he sends bounty hunters to try and get Rota and as we see in the film they are all killed and sent back to Jabba which is when he uh, is forced to work with the, either the separatists or the republics for he tried with his own forces and it did not work Now on Christophsis, the we can get inside the head of the character once again, and this time it is Anakin, and the author has Anakin in his mind during battle, trying to contain his anger, 
But at the same time, Batu gives him opportunity to release some of his angers and frustrations. But in the novel it just gives more depth to his struggle with the dark side and the, the anger that he seems to always be fighting back. Now, because this is not canon, you need not take that to heart. I personally believe that Hanekin, much like most people who do bad things, they don't go around being evil all the time and constantly struggling to fight evil. Most of the time people are just people like anyone else. It is Thieves are not thieves 100% of the day. Are they more inclined to temptation towards thievery? Yes. But I don't think everyone is always fighting back evil. I think that is a simplistic look at the way people behave. When people do bad things like murders and things, it is often um, moments of emotion. It, it's like a wave. Now granted there are people who commit premeditated murders and things, but for the most part acts of evil come on suddenly and leave quite suddenly in people. They uh, can't hold themselves back from the emotions. They become overcome with their angers and what have you. And I believe Anakin is more like this, but I can understand where the author is coming from. But I think we have enough set up of Anakin's character in um, even in Revenge of the Sith, he, at the beginning of the film, is still trying to help as many people as he can. We see him going to save the Chancellor, and Obi-Wan has to remind Anakin to focus on that mission for 
the clones are being shot down quite uh, unnervingly uh, in large amounts and Anakin wants to help them. Sir, I don't think his preset in battle, in my opinion, is necessarily anger. But um, I think her intent is more to show a lingering of the anger and frustration he felt in Attack of the Clones when he is pushed over with the death of his mother. And from that point on, perhaps there is more of an edge and to him because of that. And maybe that is why she chose to show him constantly struggling with that rage. But it is not canon, so either side could be right. Now, we also get inside the mind of Dooku and it uh, in the novel gives a different version to the now canon version of why Dooku uh, left the Jedi Order and in this novel his tipping point was do more towards a battle on Mandalore. And some things that went down there uh, which he disagreed with the Jedi. And f he was left a bit disillusioned by and feeling of what have we done type of thing but this is no longer canon but for those who are, are interested in a different perspective on Dooku it could be worth uh, reading about his doubts about fighting on Mandalore and the Jedi Now we get a ISB agent who uh, gives us more intelligence on what might be going on on Teth and gives the Jedi a more uh, bit of a warning that Teth is probably a trap. Now, has Anakin on Tith? And um, we are inside his head. Many of the things 
and it, Ahsoka is experiencing the frustrations and things that she is having as a Padawan. He's thinking to himself back to the frustrations that he has with the, Deda, uh, the Jedi. And in this novel he has a more disdain for the Council and Yoda in particular due to the Phantom Menace when uh, Yoda took exception to his training. And it seems to still bother Anakin. Once again, in this novel, that that is the case, but seeing it is not legend, or that it is legends now that uh, we do not know if that is the case in canon. But the importance of it is uh, Anakin knows what it's like to be a frustrated Padawan. So I think it helps for him to form a relationship with Ahsoka and sympathize with her. Then when Rex and Ahsoka meet or introduced, we get an extended scene of Rex um, correcting Ahsoka's misperceptions about clones and that they are unique, they have they aren't just numbers. And he uses an example of Togrutas that he was given as intel and as he's as she's listening to the intel on Togrutas she's saying well that's not true of all Togrutas which he uses as a lesson to say well then everything you have learned of the clones may not be accurate as, as well in that Clones are more unique than perhaps others have taught her to believe. In we see that Anakin in the Jedi in the clones view that Everyone is expendable. And that includes Ahsoka. She must pull her weight. Now, we get more in, with Dooku's point of view. 
towards Yoda. And when we get inside his head and he blames Yoda for the Jedi complacency that is leading to their downfall. We don't seem to get a lot of um, love or emotion between Dooku and Yoda. There's a coldness between them, it seems, both in canon and legends. In canon, Dooku seemed to always be closer to Len, uh, Lena Costana than his own master, Yoda. So, blaming of Yoda, even though we don't know if that's canon anymore, but it seems reasonable. Now, in this novel, we get a similar backstory on Ventress, on rat attack and slavery, and being found by Kyneric, and him being uh, temporarily her master as a Jedi, and he's killed. And that is when she falls, but in this novel, she is not from Dathomir. She's from Ratatak. But we know that that changes. But it is interesting just to see how her origins has evolved over time. During this novel, we get um, some interludes, and one of the interludes is a philosopher, an ancient one, who is uh, reciting some poetry or uh, perhaps a proverb or something, and he is wishing that in order to find the best and worst in people, that bloodshed didn't need to be spilled in order to learn these lessons. Which is true in war, there is often great leaps forward in inventions, but there's also the carnage in deaths. So it would be great if oftentimes we wouldn't have to learn 
listen so harshly. Now, according to this novel, Ventress blamed the death of Kyneric on Mace Windu, so she has more of a hatred towards Windu than we see in canon now, where uh, Mace had nothing to do with Kyneric's death. Now in this novel, Ventress is rather close with uh, Dooku's droid. I believe it's 4A. And in this novel, we, 4A gets destroyed and Ventress uh, seeks vengeance for it. For she was that close to it. And it perhaps uh, with Dooku as her master was the only thing around uh, that she could be friends with. Which makes sense. <clears throat> in seeking vengeance, but uh, sometimes in making war we need to make enemies, and enemies define us. It's in storytelling, the enemy is often the thing inside the hero they're trying to overcome. It's the external being the internal and the internal being external and so forth. And hatred can be pushed aside but the whisper in the ear uh, is a bit of what Palpatine does. He, he doesn't just uh, try to get one moment of uh, say Dooku or um, Anakin or whomever he is manipulating. He's lays uh, brick after brick slowly and softly. He isn't shouting Everything he does is subtle, it isn't grand gestures. And the same has been learned by Dooku with Ventress. And but that is not so with Anakin and Ahsoka. 
Anakin is very forthcoming with uh, whatever he is feeling with Ahsoka. He does not hide anything from her. If he is unpleased, uh, he shows it. If he wants her to do something, he says it. it everything is out in the open with him. And so, it is all the more crushing when we see how close they become. And in the end, the wedge that becomes between them in the form of Palpatine. That Palpatine's slowly is able to wedge himself between everything that uh, Anakin loves. Obi-Wan he will see as an enemy and even Ahsoka and even in a flash of anger Padme when he thinks Obi-Wan has uh, in her uh, have some sort of relationship he is jealous of him and in the revenge of the Sith novel much of that jealousy that took root in Anakin came from Palpatine himself in that novel he lays that subtle groundwork that comes to fruition with him choking Padme Well, that is all that I have for today. I wish you well and hope to see you again.